always Raymond in Philadelphia? Is that what you said? Yeah. Oh. Almost had something, and then you threw it away. Everybody well, loves Philadelphia. No, no, okay, <laughs> okay. I thought you were gonna. To yeah, I thought you were gonna do your thing. I am. You I am like. I am Raymond's paladin when it comes to the. You get that joke exactly one time when you know. I it. didn't say. I didn't like, say it. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I'm, and I'm just saying, like, that's why my hackles are raised because you were big, getting real close. I you used know, my were, one. You were. His... You were. You were a dick's width away from making that joke, and I was gonna have to put you in your place. I used my one on his birthday where I photoshopped right. him onto the poster and sent yep. it to him. That was my see, one. That's I've used. See, it. that's that's great. See, you know what's that's... funny now is it's like. I don't know when the finale of that show aired, but it's like in the rear view at this point. Uh, Gen Z does not know that show. Oh Thank Christ! Like, you made it past might, it. From yeah, from from all the the Gen Z kids I've talked to, uh, they know Ray Romano as like people doing the impression, but they don't know the show. <laughs> they know him as Manny from Ice Age. They know him from uh, The Irishman. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all all those zoomers just raving about Scorsese. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they know him as the Marvel Marvel's number one villain. Martin Scorsese is now better known as a Marvel villain. Yeah, so that's why they're all on board knowing his movies because he's a villain. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so what are the we? The last are, temptation are, of Thanos. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. <laughs> Willem, Willem Dafoe playing Thanos would be done. Real, 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 a real gaunt, short Thanos. I think is <laughs> yeah. something that the world is ready for. I think that'll be good. So, Yuppie Kaye, motherfuckers, it's another roundup. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Is that, that our right. thing? Is that yeah, is it a Western me. roundup? Can we put like pistol noises? Like here comes the caboose. We're not just here hanging out and talking. We're here with another episode of Never Seen Any of This. My name is Andy. I'm Sammy. I'm TJ. And I'm Raymond. We nailed it. We did it. <laughs> We're here. We're here again in this never-ending hellscape that is the year 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, still can't see each other face-to-face. No. And, uh, you know... We're, we're making do. We did get to see each other mask to mask. You guys yes, did. The other day. Yeah, Raven yeah. wasn't there, but uh, recently we got to see... Right. I mean, I still hang out with Andy. Nothing stops me from going to see Andy, but... We social distance, though, and it's just us. Mm-hmm. Larger uh, gatherings are... I don't know. We're naked, hanging out. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, naked six feet apart. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say that's the hardest part right now of doing the social distance is that... It is getting hotter and hotter, and my room that I'm recording in um, is—it mm-hmm. just gets hotter. And it's—I it's, mean, it's okay if we're getting sweaty with the boys, but when I'm by myself, sweaty, it's not as fun. It's just—it's no, a I lonely time being sweaty over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lonely, sweaty time. <laughs> yeah, I've got an air conditioner in this room. I had to turn off before we started, and it's essentially yeah, see, punishing me for when I go to bed tonight because it will not be on this hour. Right. I cranked it like 30 minutes before we started recording and had the door closed. I was like, come on, please be cold. I'll be dead by uh, the end of this. Yeah. While we've all been having our sweaty alone time, we've had time to to watch and consume several types of media. And so that's what we're doing today. You guys know what the deal is. We got our spinner. We're going to do another roundup. We are. We're going to try and make this one not four and a half hours long. Yes, we're going to keep this so, to a crisp hour. 
No. no you can't say that. I know, I'm yeah, kidding. Sandy We're not going to actually you. do that. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> But uh, we're going to do our best to do yeah, that. Yeah, so. we are. Um, so I say, with all the things we're going to talk about, let's just get right into it. And, all right. Uh, let's do it. So, Sammy, go ahead and spin that wheel. Put it in post. It's America's game. <laughs> wheel <laughs> of names. Oh, hell yeah. We're starting off with a oh. strong one. Ooh. 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 Okay. Speaking of Andy, getting, Andy and I getting hot and sweaty. <laughs> Yeah, one of the one of the few times we can we can get together and socially distance and have some human contact and and what do we do? We watched uh, Breaking Dawn Part One. Yeah, we did. We are slowly making it through those movies because for whatever reason they were a big part of our uh, middle school lives. <laughs> so we we're like, hey, we should watch these again. And no, 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 no! Don't lie to yourself. We were in high school. We were in high school? We were we were in high school. Oh, okay, even better. Even better. <laughs> even more shame. I guess I did read the last one on my trip to Disneyland on the plane after graduating, yeah. so I guess that, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you're right? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so, and, and Andy's fiance has not seen the last two. She may have seen, after we started to watch part one, she realized that she may have seen part one. But she yeah. has not seen part two, so we're going to watch part two eventually. But I just, I don't know how they get worse in quality when they get more money to make these movies. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Tell me how. <laughs> how, Andy? Well, as, as, we, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> as we've declared, and as I am right about, per my master's in film, the the best of the Twilight films is Eclipse. That is, a, that is not an opinion, that is a fact. Sure, okay. <laughs> I think it's because after Eclipse came out, which had arguably the largest budget, they said, oh, we don't actually have to make these good for them to make a butt fuck of money. I see, okay. Oh, is that a unit of measurement, a butt fuck? Yes. Uh, yes. It's, it is it's a summit entertainment. It, yeah, it's imperial measurement. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they hopped on the Harry Potter trend of turning the last book into two movies, I believe... That was no, that was not the original intent. They decided no. when they were going. There's no way. That is a that is a book that severely needs to be cut down. Not sp- yes. Yeah, so uh, what I want to say is that like part one, literally all that happens is part one is that they want to have sex and they end up having a baby, and that is it. That is all that happens in part one. Mm-hmm. But they extend that into a two-hour movie, and we watched but the I extended, pre- which added seven more minutes of trash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure what happened is when they decided to make it two movies, they didn't double the budget. So it's oh. one movie worth of money over two movies. Or at least it was only expanded a little bit. Because uh, as, yeah. like, all the effects get worse from Eclipse. Them running is the worst. The worst in this it's movie bad. than all of the other ones. <laughs> the wolves look really bad. It's the Power Rangers. This is the Power Rangers one where they, like, the wolves yeah. all talk together in a tribe. And it's literally Power Rangers where they're, like, and they're, like, about to join into one <laughs> giant wolf. <laughs> Oh, that'd be sick, though. <laughs> it would be, but they don't. No, it's not that good. <laughs> I also believe that the Damn whole it. cast got to renegotiate when they found out they were making two movies. Uh, so I'm uh, assuming they all asked for a whole lot more money because nobody wanted to keep making right. movies. Right, oh, yeah. No. Robert Pattinson wanted out so hard. Also, well, he, he, he actually had, like... Like aspirations. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, I'm glad to see that he still was able to go somewhere after being in Twilight. But yeah, Kristen yeah. Stewart—they've both done like they're both anti-Twilight yeah. now. 
Right. Which is great. And good old, both he's Batman. I'm excited to see him as Batman. I think they'll do fine. Yeah. I think they are both very good actors. Mm-hmm. They're Twilight both really extremely talented. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what that's why they didn't want to keep doing it because nobody when you are such a teen heartthrob that early in your career, it's like basically impossible to not get pigeonholed into that. And yeah, yeah, where for the a little bit, where the fuck's exact, Taylor Lautner? Yeah, yeah, right. He tried to do a couple a little, action movies. I never saw him though. No, I saw one of them <laughs> sure and it was did. bad. <laughs> yeah. The last thing I gotta say about this movie is that it is gross. <laughs> it is disgusting. I was like, yeah, they, I dry heave more in this movie than I think I have in a long time. Because <laughs> there's a point where she's like, her she's dying from the inside because of this baby, and then she her back breaks. She falls, her knees break. <laughs> it's the grossest thing, and she like has to drink blood to live. It is disgust. It is the. This it is so gross. Awesome. Uh, this so guy, gross. Like, apparently, I've been missing out on these sick fucking. It was movies. very close to Conjuring level throughout the whole movie. I was like, this is just gonna turn into the Conjuring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, In, I, I might be turning around on the All right, watch this one, yes. Just this one. Like, the director of this one very obviously was like, I want to take it in a like a horror movie angle, which those movies yes. really hadn't done up until this point. No. But I'm not sure that's the angle to take on the fourth and almost final <laughs> right, the penal part of your franchise. And then the fifth one is right. like an action movie. There's no horror in the fifth one. Which is also funny because there's no action in that book. Nope. <laughs> which will... All the actions... We'll talk about part two when we watch part two, because we will definitely watch part two. (laughs) So there was a Breaking Dawn part one. Stay tuned. Don't watch it. (laughs) I just didn't realize that there was extended of all of those. Sure. They just threw it all in. Yeah, basically just take the deleted scenes and just uh, put them in. They they knew they could get a certain demographic to buy two copies. Yes. Oh, yeah. 100%. (laughs) And now I want to go back and watch all the extended, so that we'll we'll get to extended and all that too. What about the appendices? Yeah, <laughs> gotta get all the behind the scenes <laughs> commentary. <laughs> all right, now the next uh, one is Raymond. Yeah, it's Mike. Raymond, uh, I watched this a couple weeks ago. So, uh, have you guys seen the Lovebirds? I don't even know no, what it is. I've, I've wanted to. It's on my yeah. list. You might, a, I might remember when you start talking about it. It's a Netflix original with Kumail Nanjiani and Issa Rae. Okay, then I do so, know. Yeah, I didn't know it was a, called Lovebirds. The Lovebirds. It was yeah. not always a Netflix original. No. Right. It was, Which is why it might be better than most. It was slated to be a theatrical release before mm-hmm. the old Rona. Which I saw the other day. There's a photo of like New York. All like the movie posters are all still up for stuff that's supposed to be coming to like spring. And like oh, the lovebirds no. is up there, and then like the uh, lawns up there, and all that. It's uh, like a post-apocalyptic world, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, it's a um, it's a action, uh, ba- like thriller-based rom-com, where that's mm-hmm. like the lens they're throwing it through. Where uh, Camille Nanjiani and Issa Rae are in real life comedians, and so they're in this movie. They are paired as like a couple that's been together for a number of years now. And uh, they uh, are, like, on their way. They're having an argument. We start the movie with them having an argument. And they, like, get into a, their car because they're on their way to a dinner party. And then they, on the way to this dinner party, they kind of, like, have the breakup conversation and decide that their relationship's over and they're not in love anymore when they then witness a murder. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> the implications of the murder implicate them as being the people who did it. 
So they are on the run from the cops, and they decide to try and solve the murder themselves before they Oof. get arrested for it. And it's a it's a really fun time. Uh, it's the plot of it is not like revolutionary in any way, but also it's like two comedians as the forefront of like a, as yeah. a bickering couple. And I love Kumail Nanjiani. I'll watch anything he does. Is he, is this uh, pre or post him getting jacked for Marvel? He is he is ripped, but they are like they're hiding it pretty well. Oh, he wears okay. like a lot of t-shirts and stuff. Gotcha. Like, he very clearly has muscles, but they're not showing them off. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's there's some jokes that don't super work, but there's I found myself like laughing quite a bit throughout the movie for something that's like not rev- like not it wasn't a gut buster, but you know, it was like I found myself laughing or chuckling at like at least once every couple minutes. And that, that was more I've than heard, I thought when it came out. I've heard that it's very similar to the plot of that movie that came out last year, Queen and Slim. But I've heard oh. that a lot of people actually prefer the Lovebirds. Really, I haven't seen Queen and Slim, but I well, know. Well, isn't Queen uh, and Slim Lena based Wade on a real thing? That. Is no. that not based on a real thing? Oh, I thought it was based no. on a real thing. I've been meaning to watch no. that for a year now. I've heard the ending of that is controversial, but I have not seen it. Mm. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot of people did not like that movie. Mm. So it reminded oh, yeah, I similar. when I saw the trailer for Lovebirds, it made me think of that uh, Steve Carell Tina Fey yeah, date, what, night, date movie. night. Yes, yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very much in that same vein. Gotcha. Uh, nothing is ever too serious, um, but yeah, it's it was actually like refreshing to put something like my comfort food is for movies. It's often a, a comedy, and it's yeah. nice mm-hmm. going into one that I have not seen a thousand times, and like it's a modern comedy, and it was still good. Like the amount of comedies that have come out in the last decade that I love is very slim. Yeah, so it was nice too. to like this isn't. This isn't uh, like on the echelon of the best ones, but it was a nice, fun time. The the trailer for this played in front of a lot of movies that I yeah. went mm-hmm. and saw before the end of the world, uh-huh. <laughs> and it was a lot of uh, comedy trailers. Mm-hmm. I don't find myself laughing at, especially because with the A list, I see a lot of them over and over right. again. But this was one that like I had some really funny moments in the trailer. Yeah. Like I remember a, like a. Uh, part apparently they end up at like an eyes wide shut esque uh-huh. uh, gathering. Yeah, I do remember that from yes, the trailer. I yeah, I just I remember a and, lot of moments in that trailer. I was like, this looks really funny, and the <laughs> leads look like they have really good chemistry. Yeah, there's a whole bit where like when they're in the eyes wide shut sequence, where like they're watching people like it's like a auditorium where they start watching people in the center like they win the lottery to have sex in front of everyone else and they're like they're discussing the logistics of it and like slowly they're both like oh it wouldn't be so bad oh man yeah I, that, that's curious like yeah oh and like they're until they're both like oh yeah i would do it <laughs> they start to see be like scared be like what's the lottery for are they all going to get murdered by the end they're like Oh, how's he doing that? That's pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it was a it was a really fun Good. time, uh, inconsequential it, but fun. And it's it's like for studio. Yeah, I was gonna, and I mean, silver lining with this, with like same with my spy Raymond. Would you have watched this in theaters? I would. I would have uh, in theaters if there wasn't a like that. The, the problem is at this point, I go to the theaters for like the blockbusters only. Because right. I can't afford it otherwise, but yeah, I, when it, it came, it maybe a, when it came out on Netflix, it is a movie I would have gone to the theater to see if there wasn't like a temple release because I love mm-hmm. Camille Nanjiani mm-hmm. and Issa right. Rae. I haven't watched her HBO show Insecure, but she's it's really so funny good. too. So I've not I've not seen her other than like a Hot Ones interview, but right. yeah, I like her incredible. and they have really good chemistry in this too. 
she made that HBO show. It was a web series that mm. she wrote and like made the whole thing herself, and eventually like was able to pitch it to HBO into making it a full HBO show. And it's one of their better comedies that they. I keep meaning to HBO check it out makes. now. So yeah, it's, it's very funny. I absolutely will after having watched this because she really <laughs> she was really funny. She got put on my mm-hmm. radar because of this and a Hot Ones interview. <laughs> yeah. Good old Hot Ones. Yeah. All right, we'll All right. wheel it up. We're, <gasps> we're making decent time, fellas. We're actually we doing some more stuff good. to talk about. Sammy's always got his book corner, which is a, a fucking mystery. I will, I will make it into the five minutes. <laughs> okay. All right. DJ, hey, it's a, doing a good job mixing it up this time around. It is. It is. It's. It's almost like it's statistically random. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, I, I had mentioned uh, last episode that I'm doing uh, research for um, a little uh, TJ deep dive, and uh, it's gonna be um, uh, kind of basically about like uh, historical uh, pictures, like period pieces, kind of, um, with the, obviously more of like a nationalist kind of bend is kind of the, the main thing. So it's kind of talking about like one specific person, not like an event or just like uh, like a make up set in a particular time. Um, so I'm going back and looking at these different things because we're going to talk about Braveheart and... Um, so, uh, so I went back and I watched uh, A Man for All Seasons. Uh, which is uh, an adapted play. Uh, it was uh, a filmed in 1966, uh, wow. and it has uh, Robert Shaw uh, as, Henry, yeah. as Henry VIII, <laughs> and uh, Orson Welles uh, nice. plays like the cardinal. And mm-hmm. it's about uh, Sir Thomas More, uh, who was a like a philosopher and a lawyer who served at the court of Henry VIII, and like wouldn't condone his divorce to Anne Boleyn. Uh, or to to marry Anne Boleyn, and so uh, he was uh, eventually beheaded. Um, but it's a it is a really 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 well written um, uh, adaptation. Um, I think especially as an adaptation, um, it is um, has lent a lot of gravitas by Orson Welles, um, who claimed to have uh, kicked out the director at a certain points and directed certain scenes himself. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> that doesn't sound like. That doesn't sound like Orson no. Welles. That, that doesn't sound like Frozen P commercial <laughs> <laughs> obstructing Wards and Wells. Uh, but it's Poppy it's a cock. really. I remember uh, watching it in, um, in when I was in the history program at Eastern and really really enjoying it. And Robert Shaw is a fucking animal in this movie. He's really really good as Henry VIII because. I don't think a lot of people realize that, like, it, the main depiction of Henry VIII that we all see is, like, him, like, like you know, this corpulent, gout-ridden, you know, right. monster. The biggest boy. Like, Jabba, yeah, Jabba <laughs> the, the Hutt boy. type creature. <laughs> and when he was a young man, he was, like, the biggest boy. Uh, he was, like, like really, like, a Jamie Lannister guy. Like, he was, like, a champion at tournaments, and he was very fit and athletic. And, Ooh, so like, he was hot. He was, knight. he was a hot he's to a, trot. He's a, he was a hot boy. <laughs> and, Did and he love he it up on even, his sister? He did not have that mark against him by reputation. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, and... Uh, but yeah, I thought it was uh, it was nice to revisit this, especially because like I've watched a lot of stuff uh, lately in this uh, research that I haven't really enjoyed. 
Um, like, the movie itself hasn't been very good, even if, like, the historical elements of around it have been good or accurate, or right. even, or or not. Right. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's a double bad time. But this is a great one because I, I really enjoy the the work that uh, is involved, especially in, like, set design and costuming in, like, 60s period pieces. I think they look really interesting and sort of, like, technicolor and, and fun. Um, they always kind of remind me of like you know old prop bins in like like high school drama departments or whatever you know just like looking just through, through whatever through they those. can find on yeah you know like it's just fun it's evocative of a, of a very particular age where like a lot of stuff was still being shot on sets uh-huh. and a lot of these guys were like stage actors um uh god who is it uh who is the the the, the feller that was uh, married to elizabeth taylor for a long time oh um oh god hold on we're bad we're bad film people we're bad (laughs) (laughs) i can't remember for the fucking life of me uh but that guy i guess uh turned down the role um and uh and he allowed um uh, paul schofield to actually end up um taking it and he got the uh, richard uh, burton for it richard burton that's who it was um, and he just yeah. scrolled through his head and fi- figured that out. I yeah. watched it. <laughs> yeah. I would. I went and stared at my film degree for a little bit. <laughs> it just and you were like, you were whispering to yourself. You're like, you got this. You got this. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I guess something that I, I will give it as as my last thing as a credence to kind of just films from that particular era is how they deal with like serious or graphic content and and kind of uh, like a workaround kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like there's an execution scene that is shot really really well and stoically and it doesn't feel like you're being censored mm-hmm. it's it, it just feels like a depiction that's that's going around it instead of like you know really it feels artistic or relishing it yeah absolutely and uh so yeah i had a i had a much better time watching this than three quarters <laughs> of the other movies that i've watched for this project so <laughs> great uh, yeah. cool yeah. you get one you get one <laughs> <laughs> i get one <laughs> And I am going to have fun watching Braveheart, even if I'm going to... I can't believe Andy has not seen that movie. I'm not surprised that I have not seen that movie, but I am surprised that Andy has not seen that, at least all the way through. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen parts. We'll get into that when we talk about it. Right, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh, we're getting oh no! Two the in a row. Statistics are all wrong. <laughs> there we go. No. Over. We, can, we can get all this out of the way. So Andy never uh, gets to talk. <laughs> this one is uh, so it's uh, Robert the Bruce, um, and uh, it was it stars uh, Andrew McFadden who played Robert the Bruce in Braveheart, and he also co-wrote this. And he had written an original draft for this around twelve years ago, and now it's uh, being made. Uh, it was uh, shot in Montana, um, which actually works really well for Scotland. Um, okay. And uh, the yeah, the landscape there is. You uh, tell me, I can just go to Montana. I don't have to go to Scotland. You don't. Oh, sweet. <laughs> no, yeah, except there, there's not like a coastline oh. there, so you can't get. Right. You can get interior, I guess. <laughs> anyway, uh, but it was, uh, I guess, in a word, unremarkable is mm-hmm. is the way I would describe it. It felt like 45 minutes of movie that was dragged out for two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and while I think that's a, like an interesting and a more uh, novel take on this particular thing, where it's like there's these quote unquote great men 
of history kind of approaches to these things where it centers around one person and then does a lot of work to make you go like, oh, well, he's he's reluctant to take up this mantle, but he'll do it for his country so that he can go back and raise a family and make of course. crops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, like, you're getting a more intimate depiction of, of this particular era where Robert the Bruce was like, you know, like, yeah, he was crowned king of Scotland, and, and that was all well and good, but then he also got the shit kicked out of him for, like, several years in a row, and wasn't doing great, and was just kind of going from clan to clan, like, hiding and, and not, not doing super great. Yeah. And so it, it, it takes the perspective of one particular family that's, like, giving him shelter during this whole thing, and he's, like, being pursued by, like, other people occasionally. And so, like, there's just not, like, a real sense of, like, danger or, or immediacy through the whole thing. And uh, and I don't know if that was like a cutting room floor thing or what, but like it just didn't. <laughs> How feel long like is it? A, it's like two hours. Okay. And yeah, so like by the time it got up to like the hour point, I was like, okay, if we had gotten here in like twenty five minutes, then I would be fine. <laughs> but like, it, I it it's interesting in that it does play with the narrative device of like you know the story of him killing John Common in a church or whatever is like the big thing where like he was excommunicated by the Pope and all this other stuff and so it's like this like cartoonish monologue coming out of Jared Harris and I'm like what the fuck is going on you know like this feels like a comic book movie like he's literally monologuing and 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 it, it turns out it's because it's from the perspective of a mom telling the story oh. of Robert the Bruce and John Common in the, in the church or whatever. Oh, so it's okay. like, oh, it totally makes sense that he's this strong and silent guy. And, of course, he had no other choice because the shifty John Common was there to backstab him. And it's <laughs> like, oh, okay, yeah, because this is a story being told to an 11-year-old boy. Ah, sure. oh, gotcha. <laughs> like Princess so that- Bride. <laughs> And so I thought that was interesting and almost kind of an element of, like, self-awareness that, like, Andrew McFadden was part of Braveheart, which is, like, a real, real interesting case study in lionization of a particular guy and really playing fast and loose with a lot of history in order to make one guy look really, really cool, which works really, really fucking well. <laughs> like, <laughs> like William Wallace is a bad motherfucker. Like, Mel Gibson, William Wallace is, is fucking cool. And so, like, it totally works. And so it's almost like this self self-realization of like i was kind of part of this thing where like people look at the william wallace and braveheart and go like oh that's what the guy was like and it's like no (laughs) (laughs) and so you know like it's it's an interesting kind of self-aware element part of it but it also doesn't lend itself to being like a good or interesting movie unfortunately and i thought like what you brought up to me when you were when we were uh mask social distancing measuring our uh waistlines uh, for Andy's wedding, um, that you that he plays the same guy, but historically yeah. it should have been a lot closer in time. But it, it's actually been a long yeah. time, so that's a, yeah. also an interesting take too. That like he's he's has aged way more than the the character would have or the person would have. Yes, it, like so, like the events that are taking place take place six years after the events in Braveheart, which is a movie that came out in the mid nineties. Right. So and it's been now a little the bit actor, more time. <laughs> the, the actor that is playing him is currently older than Robert the Bruce was when he died. Oof. So <laughs> checks out. It's kind of, you get kind of a Roger Moore effect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ro- Roger Moore by way of Robert the Bruce. <laughs> Does he throw in his towel at the end uh, over a robot? No, it's a really oh. dumb lame ending and I didn't enjoy it. Oh, and I'll right. get into it in the deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> Roger the Moore. Roger the Moore. <laughs> Some tweet. Boo. <laughs> oh, God. Please clap. <laughs> All right, spinning it. All right. 
And the bass keeps spinning, spinning, and spinning, spinning. Does Andy get one? Andy gets one. Andy gets one. Andy's getting one. Oh, you better be careful talking about this one, my boy. Yeah, the controversial one. Yes. So, um, on our last roundup episode, I had talked about replaying uh, The Last of Us Part 1 in preparation for The Last of Us Part 2, which had not come out yet. And um, I will... I have finished the game. I have sat with it for a couple weeks at this point, and I mm-hmm. won't get into any spoilers because Sammy is currently playing through it. I just reached, I'm past halfway point, of the, but yesterday I hit the halfway point. I thought it was way farther in the game, and then Andy's like, oh, you're halfway through, and I was like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little bit farther than halfway, yeah. but um, that's something that I think the game does really well, is you n- never really know where the, where the story is going. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically since back in April or possibly even earlier when this game was going to come out uh, the internet did the terrible internet thing of leaking a bunch of story spoilers for this game and so a lot of fans and stuff I actually was able to avoid all of them Me which too. is a miracle nice. I've almost never happens but I what I had heard is that there were a lot of people who were very mad with some of just like the That's basic story yeah. decisions for for the sequel, and uh, I'm a huge fan of the first game. It might be my favorite game of all time, just purely because of what Naughty Dog was doing with that story. In and that's what it is at its core is they are trying to tell a story mm-hmm. and using game mechanics to make you just like Uncharted. I mean, just like everything they've done, basically. Exactly. Naughty Dog is making games differently than, like, basically any other game company out there is making games. They Pretty much everything they make is just from a completely different angle, but they're all sort of in the same thing. And I think what they were doing with The Last of Us Part Two is absolutely incredible. And a lot of people are going to completely <laughs> miss the point of it. <laughs> because... For for the game, there is a lot of spoilers just in what happens in the game. Like, the basic part of the game is kind of a big spoiler. And a lot of it is relying on you discovering these story elements as you go along and how you feel about them. And so a lot of these leaks came out and people saw that and said, that's stupid, I don't like that. Which, out of context of what happens in the game, sounds very stupid. <laughs> And, like, why would they do that? That's a terrible, stupid thing for these characters to do. Which is the point. Right. <laughs> because what what they are doing with this sequel is they are taking a character that you absolutely fell in love with in the first game. And they are making you go, now look at it in a different way. <laughs> mm-hmm. And a lot of video game fans want the badassness of it, which this game kind of takes away from you. This game makes you feel bad for every person that you have to kill oh, and so it makes bad. you and it makes you watch every it's, single person it you is have so to kill. taxing it is and that's i guess my one problem with that i have with the game so far is like i really care about the story but it mm-hmm. is so stressful and taxing to play the game that i'm like i almost mm-hmm. like i'm i'm i i've never i never played the first one i only watched people play the first one so this is my first time playing a last of us game and i'm like I don't know if I, I I will make it through it, but I'm like, oh man, this is just tough because it's so tough to play. And I think that's exactly what yeah, Naughty Dog been, like, wants such a you. Such visceral reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah, 
that's exactly what they want you to feel while playing it. You know, if you want your games where you're going to go mow down a bunch of, like, bots and get satisfaction from that, that's why you have games like God mm-hmm. of War and, like, Call of Duty and stuff like that. <laughs> that is ex- that is not what they're doing yeah. with this game. They want you to... F- they want it to feel realistic and grounded. And what would it be like if you had to live in this world and every person that you kills comes with a consequence but is unavoidable at the same time. Yeah. I walked yeah. into work the day after it came out and one of the guys I work with is a big gamer was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. I'm playing Last of Us 2." I was like, "Oh, I like all the critics I follow are like in love with it." And he's like, "Oh, yeah, it's fucking stupid." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> no. yeah, he's like, I can't believe they did this." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, See, All right, I, I guess I, 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 everyone else I know is wrong, and you're right. <laughs> See, I knew there I was, think, like, controversial stuff with it, and, like, people didn't like parts uh-huh. of it, so I'm playing it, like, because I, I was like, there's this controversial stuff, and I'm playing it and have yet to, like, I've heard all have that feeling yet, because everything. I know, like, again, like, it's going through the story and being like, I know that this stuff is happening, you know, like, I get why it's so, happening, I don't, I didn't get it from a just hearing what happened kind of a thing, I'm going through it and not having any issues with anything that I'm coming across yet, So. Anyway. If you are listen if you are a listener listening to this and you don't want to be spoiled, I would say just don't listen to any of this. But <laughs> Too about late. halfway you, you said that Oh, you mean what you're about, gonna say now. What I'm gonna say now. Oh, okay. About halfway through the game, it the game takes a switch in perspective. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just from that it just from that notion go, That's stupid. I don't wanna do mm-hmm. that. But what the game achieves with that shift in perspective, I think, is poetic and beautiful. Yeah. I've never seen anything in a game achieve it as well as they do in this game. See, and, and my only thing that... And I haven't finished the game, so I can't say this yeah. definitively. But I wish they would have done the Switch like with, with a different character, because I don't want to get too mm-hmm. much into it. But um, if that would have been part two... And then mm-hmm. what happens in the first part of this the game we have it should have been part three. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, I feel like we I, should have gone through a, a, a whole other storyline with this other person and then had part three. Because like I don't know. Yes. When I'm playing now, I'm like, I know what's coming because it's just a, it's like a flashback. So I'm like, I know what's coming. And I get and it what, and I understand. But I'm like, yeah. it should have been, I don't know. But I haven't finished it. So. And what I will <laughs> say to that is it's a very, it's, it's an extremely ballsy move. Right. But that's ex- a, they switch at that specific time because that's exactly the reaction that Naughty Dog wants you. They want you to be sitting there going, "What the fuck?" and like <laughs> throw your controller across the room. They want you to be mad at them. And right. I think that they're smart enough to know that, but I think ultimately the gaming uh, the audience for who is playing this game and who is like the biggest fan of this game, I unfortunately think it is going to go over a lot uh-huh. of the heads of those people. Because they're so wrapped up in what is happening to this character. I'm such a fan of the first one, so I have to be on board with this character. And I think the whole thing about this game, like what we saw with The Last Jedi, is maybe the people that you idolize are capable of terrible things. And how Mm -hmm. do you do with that? Mm -hmm. And not, you should feel good about this, or you should feel bad about this. Naughty Dog wants you to think about it, and maybe not have an answer. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I think the last of us part two is a masterpiece i love it a lot <laughs> i'm not sure when i will replay it but it is definitely i think one of the most like 
best achievements in video games in the last. Are you gonna try and do a sort of where you play through one again and then play through two for the punch of it? Mm, well, I mean, I did just replay right. one. Yeah. So right. I mean, like, I did in kind the future, you think you would do that, where you'd play the first one before you play the second one? Like, Maybe. For, for the full Possibly. experience? I guess the, the other thing is, like, video I games nowadays are so long. Like, the first yeah. one is a 10-hour game. This game is a 40-hour oh. game. And that's insane. Like, if it was just another 10-hour game, that's great. It's it's 40 hours long. It's like, oh, I, my God. I know we're, <laughs> we're going over the limit here, but my last thing that I will say about that in regards oh, to that dear. is I, I think that that's a hindrance to this game is that when new video games come out it seems to be like a race to see who can finish right. it first and how long it took them how fast did they get through i think mm-hmm. the last of us part two has a lot of spots where it's like this is a good stop stopping point to kind of stop and think about it for a little bit and i yeah. think the game improves the longer you take to beat mm. it because if you're just marathoning through it it's a whole lot being thrown at you Oh yes, it's an emotional roller coaster. There have been I, yes, I agree. There have been times where I'm just like, I have to take a break. <laughs> yeah, and I tried my best to take my time with it, but it, I was like, I don't want to get spoiled before I beat the game. Right. So I, there was always that ticking thing in my head that was like, I want to beat it before I, it's spoiled for me what happens because I had heard that the ending is pretty controversial and a lot of people have different opinions on it. So once once we get to that point, Sammy, you and I can talk about it, but I will just say yeah. that. I was on board for what this game was doing. I, we'd probably do a whole podcast on it if we wanted. <laughs> yeah, we probably could. <laughs> All right, here we go. We'll spin it. Our video game talk. Book talk, video game video talk, game TV talk, movie talk. We got everything in this one. Uh, Ooh, sure. Sammy's book corn. <laughs> Sammy's book corner. <laughs> Hell yeah. My favorite time of the, the podcast. <laughs> um, so... I have a ton of series, serieses that I'm trying to get through. Um, there's three specific ones, and I'm like, I'm going to knock the, through these for the hmm. summer. So what I'm doing is what reading, well, I don't think I'll get through all of them, but I'm going to, I'm doing the order of, so I'm reading a, a Bosch series book, which Raymond so happily, or so thankfully gave me uh, eight of them, I think, right? You gave right. me eight. I have another so eight sitting here. I'm, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a ton, right? So I'll get through as many as I can. But so I'm doing the Bosch series. So I'll read. A, I'm reading a Bosch book. Then I'm reading uh, through Harry Potter again, and then I'm reading through the Witcher series. So those are the three that I'm just going through in a circle. As soon as I finish, then I'm going to go back through. So that's the three that I'm going to talk about. Is I finished the second Bosch book, which again, when I talked about the first one, it's just those books are so well written, and it's like. And I talked about it with the first one as well. Is like it's pretty cliche, like detective cop stuff. But just the way it's written is just like I can't put it down. And they're so cool and so like fun to read. And either reveal, I, I guess, like the setup is the part that's really cliche because it's like a cop committed suicide, but maybe it wasn't a suicide. We got to figure <laughs> out what happened. <laughs> but then when you get into it, it's there's a lot more there. But it's it's just those books are so well written. And right now I'm reading the third one. I'm almost, I'm past halfway at this yeah. point through the third one because you just you really the, the way he writes it's just so like you gotta know what's gonna happen next and it's so like <laughs> you gotta it's it's great I love that those how those are written so that was the Black Ice um, the second book in the Harry Bosch detective series and I'm hoping I don't know Raymond and I talked a little bit I, I want to watch the show but I'm that kind of person where I'm like I don't want something to accidentally yes, get spoiled, I've had it spoiled so I don't know because they started pulling stuff from new 
books, which I haven't gotten to yet. Right. I'm still about 2004 or 5 in the book series. Or maybe, uh, maybe mm -hmm. up to 2007, which is like 15 books. And, uh, yeah, they pulled something from like a 2018 book. And I was like, oh, I don't know this plot. But also, right. they're like. So that's what I'm worried about. I want to watch they, the show, but yeah. Them, all the ones I recognize from the show, they change enough in it that, like, they become their own thing. Because they meld them with, like, two or three other plots from different books and they update everything. So cool. I don't think. So I'll probably dive into it at some point. But... If you see anything. Right. If anything, like that's I have to go and start the show over again because I I've read like six or seven of the books since the last season and so now I can't remember what happened in the books and what happened in the show because they mix all of it together. Right. So I'm starting <laughs> over with the show at some point soon. <laughs> yeah, so the, those that series is great. I'm loving it. Thank you again, Raymond. Absolutely. Kiss. <laughs> uh, and then the the second one is Harry Potter, which I know is controversial because uh, she who must not be named wrote these right. books, and I don't really want to... Death wanna... of the author. Death of the author. <laughs> and, but Jesus. I have the oh, illustrated wow. copies of the books, which I have not read through, and it, I have not read through the Harry Potter series since middle school, and I planned this summer to reread them anyway. It just, of course, happened that before the summer happened that all this stuff J.K. Rowling is now saying we don't and I don't want to get into that stuff but <laughs> I love the book no, series no, let's, very let's, much no let's. no no it's okay <laughs> no it's alright it's one of those uh, situations where you really love the art but kind of hate the artist mm -hmm. kind of thing like you know Kanye West just the or same Pantera. kind of <laughs> yeah sure. so I the illustrated is awesome it's cool to and it's great to be reading reading those books I grew up with those books and I really like them so I'm enjoying getting through the illustrated but not a whole much to much does more to say about much, Harry Potter. But. I mean, not to be derisive, but does it give you that much value to like read the illustrated ones when you also grew up with the movies? Like, there's is there more just to because imagine? it's it's I don't it's just, it's just a different take on it. I guess is the thing. It's not they're not just straight from the movie being right. illustrated from the movie. It's that. like his take on what it. So it's cool just to see what someone that was paid to your these are the illustrated harry potter so it's interesting to see like this is the official illustrations i guess is the... how those scenes happen sure. right yeah yeah i think so. the the like yeah like the franken bass uh lord of the rings um adds to my overall experience uh, whenever i read or do anything with it just mm -hmm. just another interpretation well, i thought that yeah uh, so that's what's illustrated cool. the hobbit that I've had, I was given when I was a kid, and that's like that's mm -hmm. how I do the Hobbit is through that book. Right. Yeah. yeah. Totally. So it's just cool. It's and it gave me an excuse to read through them again because yeah, like I said, I haven't mm -hmm. read through them since middle school. So. Yeah. Um, well, and then oh, go ahead. No, all I have to add to it is that I just I firmly believe that um, J.K. Rowling can choke and die, and that be <laughs> yeah, cool. That's all yeah. I have to add. <laughs> yep. And then real quick, just the third what one. What the fuck? Are you trying to, t like, take my throne as, like, <laughs> like guy that says, uh, like, ill-advised edgy shit on a podcast? <laughs> no. DJ, okay, DJ. The fuck? You can say something, too. Go ahead. You can say that, too. I just want people to <laughs> no, know that well, I fucking well, hate you. No, like, I'm, I'm, like, I... I yield my time. I have been knocked on my fucking heels here. I don't. I don't like it. I don't. I don't. Man, taken off uh, off guard. Shit. Step on your toes. <laughs> on mine, I'll come up with some mean thing to say about Vigo Mortensen. Okay, good. Andre okay, think of something. Book. All right, real quick. Um, the third book. <laughs> third book I read was the uh, second Witcher book. Um, it's the second short stories. 
Um, so it's before the main s- series starts to happen, but it, chronologically, it's the second book of sure. things that The Witcher done had, has done. And I didn't realize that this was all the the first season of the Netflix show was also taking from sure. this book. I assume they'd only taken from the first book, but they also took things from the second book. And the second book ends where the the TV show ends for the first oh, season. Fun. So that was that was cool. They don't, obviously don't take from all the short stories that are in the book. And this one had less short stories, but they only took here and there from them. But um, it was cool to be like, oh, this literally leads up right where the season one ends. And I'm like, when I get to the th- the first book in the series, I'm like, oh, now I'm going to be spoiling stuff for myself for the show, which, I mean, is bound to happen when you're reading the books, of course. But I was like, oh, I thought I would already be spoiling myself at this point, but they actually have already done the first two books in the first season. So I thought that was kind of cool. But those are cool books. Um that's all I got to say about the Witcher stuff. Okay. <laughs> all right. Maybe I'll have more to say when I've read new information. I mean, if you've seen the show, you know what happens in the first two books. So, there you go. Those are my three books oh, I've read, yeah. and all I am right. currently in the lead in my uh, family competition. Except for TJ, I think he's still in the lead. Are you in the family competition, TJ? <laughs> no, he's not. But he just uh, no. said he was. He said he was going to uh, win. I mean, <laughs> also, I, no, I haven't. I have no, nothing to substantiate that claim. Come on, DJ. <laughs> oh, cool. I can talk about this a little bit, too. Yeah. Ooh, Hannibal. Hannibal. Yes. Um, well, uh, the Eric Andre? No. Hannibal? Yeah, not Hannibal Burns. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, this is... My girlfriend and I have started watching um, the Hannibal NBC TV show that is from seven years ago that was canceled after three And seasons. now on Netflix. Yes. So yeah. we, uh, mm-hmm. we finished Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Uh, like a month or so ago. Very good, by the way. And um, mm-hmm. we, I had watched the first two seasons of this as it aired six, seven years ago, and at like live as it aired. And I, for whatever reason, I couldn't like I couldn't fit the time in for the third season. And it, like I was just like, oh, I'll wait until it's over and I'll binge watch the whole third season. And then it ended, and they're like, oh, it's canceled. And I'm like, oh, I guess I never have to watch that now. <laughs> I just never did. But in all this time, uh, five, six, seven years, you know, five years since the last season, I've not heard anyone shit talk the final season as like a bad wrap up. I've never heard anyone like say anything negative about it. And it just. I haven't really yeah, either, it yeah. It just got yeah. added to Netflix this last month. And my girlfriend was like, oh, you know, I've never watched it. And I was like, well, I haven't seen the last season. So let's, let's put it on. And I'll tell you what, it is. I have not watched it in uh, minimum six years because I never rewatched the seasons it is so fucking good A. B. <laughs> I remember the majority of the deaths from the first season vividly still like the, the serial killer deaths they have in the first season I like they haunt me <laughs> and, and oh my God. Oh, yeah. reminded of them and it's like oh man I the one where it's like oh TJ you'll know I can't remember the official term of it but it's yeah. in Midsummer as well where it's like the they pull out the lungs or whatever it is through the back. Oh yeah, oh, the yeah, blood eagle. eagle. Yeah, there's one. Of, there's there's some of that the, in one of the episodes in season metal. one that I remember. It haunts me, and it came up again. And I was like, oh, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> did 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 this come out before or after the first season of 2013? Is the first season, so it's okay. it's around the same time, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the chronological order. That sounds like before, but I yeah. don't know off the uh, top of my head. Because I re- mainly remember like the imagery of like the yeah. antlers 
being very similar. Well, there's a deer that's yeah. got like, like wow. uh, or not a deer, but like a giant moose that's got oh. or elk that's got like feathers and like it's demented and like Will Graham sees it constantly. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so True Detective started in 2014. Uh, oh, so yeah, it was very similar. Hannibal did it first. (laughs) We're halfway through season two now, and it's like there's there's not very many. Brian Fuller creates like memorable shows. I haven't seen Mm -hmm. American Gods yet because I was afraid that Hannibal Curse was going to follow him there. Because Pushing Daisies was like the thing he did before Hannibal. Or such a good show. It's great. It got canceled, (laughs) and then like he gets Hannibal. It gets three seasons. It's like critically like lauded, and it got canceled. And then American Gods was yep. like, oh shit. And it, it got, like, he got, he left the show and, like, I, they, mm-hmm. like, started I couldn't the get season into it. three yeah. and it just, like, it broke down. They've gone through, like, six showrunners. <laughs> huh. Yeah, well, like, I think, like, two, I think, what, it was uh, Kristen Chenoweth and um, Gillian Anderson both said that they yep. weren't going to work with it anymore. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and they were both like very prominent, like big fan favorites for yeah. that first season. Uh, Hannibal is and is yeah, so what, good, and it's it's so distinct. Like you know, the first season mm-hmm. is very much like, mm-hmm. especially early on, it's very much CSI Hannibal Lecter. But by the time they find their footing, yes. it is like it's its own. It is very much in the same vein as True Detective, where it spends almost as much time talking about like. Um, what it means to be a killer and like how this affects people more than it does like solving a crime. Solving a crime is almost tertiary to like how everyone feels and how it affects them. Isn't that kind well, of what the movie is like too, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's funny that you also bring up mm-hmm. CSI because the first incarnation of the Thomas Harris like Hannibal Lecter stuff was a Man Hunter that starred William. Which stars yep. William Peterson, uh, I, uh, aka Grissom. Uh, yep. Grissom from 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 CSI, <laughs> as as Will Graham, and uh, and it's awesome. It's like uh, like Hannibal Lecter by way of Miami uh, Vice. Uh, yeah, Brian Cox. Yeah. Brian Cox is Hannibal Lecter, and it's awesome. It's 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 a really really good. So I think it's really interesting that one particular novel has been ad- adapted in several mm-hmm. different formats, like a modern novel like it's not like a shakespeare adaptation right it's not like a public domain thing it's not like a christmas story or something like it's just one thing that came out i think the novel came out in like the late 70s like yeah or like and they 80s. only for hannibal they didn't and, have the right to good silence of the lambs it's only red dragon but like they're pulling right. they're, pro- they, they they're, they're pulling from other sources but it's specifically not silence of the lambs which is the most well-known yeah. of the story of the series right well, and also to comment on the show doing, uh, you know, like uh, being a unique take, but then also taking some elements in, from mm-hmm. other things that are already established and really running with it is the depiction of Dr. Yeah. Chilton in the show is fucking bang on. It's really, really mm-hmm. good. The guy doesn't particularly look like the original mm-hmm. actor, but he's got the mannerisms and his speech patterns and like the way he crosses his legs and like <laughs> every other thing. Like it's it's do- fucking Dr. Chilton, like this smug <laughs> son of a bitch. And, and, he, and he kills it. He's really, really good. Nice. It's a great yes. show. It is excellent. And there is, there is talk. There's a lot of positive rumors about Netflix possibly doing a revival season. And could they get that's, I think we talked about this last could time. They could they do Silence of the Lambs? Is well, that a possibility know. now? Yeah. Uh, yes. I've heard that they were thinking about it and planning. Because that, that would be so cast. cool. If they did one more season in, and it was Silence right. of the Lambs, their version of it would be so it's in, cool. That's I know they in w, were that's in WB's hands now. 
And they were planning on casting a Clarice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, mm. like, Nerdist, I think, just hosted a, the other day, a script read-through with, like, it looks like almost the entire cast. Mads is there, Hugh Dancy is there. Like, it's an entire, like, 20-plus person cast read-through of a script, and it, it was, like, huge numbers for, like, whatever live stream that was. So, and Netflix yeah, I wonder if it'll do the whole about like their press releases and all their social media stuff is very positive about Hannibal. Yeah, I just wonder if it'll go through the whole community thing where everyone was like, "Oh, community's coming back," but now community's kind of died off since it's been in Netflix for a while. I wonder if that well, the H- problem with Hannibal that is it's been through the same kind of thing. Is same uh, thing with Firefly? You know, it's been Hannibal's too long. Everyone's had bit, a career. Yeah. No way, uh, Firefly can still happen, right, guys? <laughs> in a different form, comics. Oh God, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's already been comics, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alright, ready? <laughs> I want to watch Hannibal. Actually, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna I'm watch excited it. to get to right. season 3 because I have no idea what's going to happen. I hardly remember anything yeah. like, that happens he, in season 2 other than like the last fucking scene. So I'm really excited yeah. to see where it goes. It's it's so weird like the how how people will cling to mm-hmm. shows sometimes like fire yeah. like like i like you'll hear stories about like oh it's like then the police found the mother pushing the swing but the baby was dead for 18 hours and it's like <laughs> that's what these people are doing they're just an abject denial of the fact that the baby's dead and they're just like come on let's if oh we're having fun on the swing aren't we we're just having a great time we don't have to go home we're, we're just gonna keep having what a weird analogy tj <laughs> sorry that was a youtube video i, uh, I just watched oh. I, I do like the idea of but doing, yeah people just won't accept like, it not a not like rebooting the show or keeping it going but just doing like revival seasons i like the idea of that because it does it it's like it saves your commitment to like you get everyone back for a guaranteed one thing and maybe if it goes well you do something else but at the very least you you commit for one thing and you tell like a complete thing within that with instead of like bringing something back just to like keep it going yeah Mm -hmm. mm-hmm Well, and like also, it's not. It doesn't feel like cynical, like like bean counting, like demographic stuff. Like it tends to be like with like mm-hmm. Thundercats or any other thing that they're just like banking on a built-in right. audience coming back. Right. Like this is this feels natural instead of like someone trying to drum up hype for something that's mm-hmm. dead. You know. And you said um, that everyone's on board, right? That people they do want to come I back. Know, yeah. If they did that, if they did a yeah. table yeah, it was read, just, right? I mean, I guess that's true. Yeah. So I would assume so. Yeah. That might just help drum up hype, but yeah, because I, I don't see like why that would be like a relevant like quarantine reading right. thing. Right, like, that it was on Netflix, and, and, why that? Yeah, like Andy Andy Circus reading The Hobbit is relevant. Like Daniel Radcliffe reading Harry Potter is relevant. You know, but like right. the cast of Hannibal doing a table read, like ah <laughs> oh, yeah, that old chestnut. Like what the fuck? <laughs> so. <laughs> So yeah, I think it's yeah, it's that's it's trying to drum up some hype, which um, which is not a bad thing because I think that it's it feels a little more natural. Have you guys seen um, the Red Dragon movie? That's from yeah, I talked about the Red Dragon movie. I'm trying to decide. Jessica yeah. hasn't seen either of them, and I want to show her Manhunter. I, I love Manhunter, but I've only watched Red yeah, Dragon. Yeah, see, like, which is the better? <laughs> I mean, the cast of Red Dragon I think is is better just for like Freddie Lowndes as Philip Seymour right. Hoffman and. Anthony Hopkins. And it's a Rafe Fines. Yeah. yeah. Still. Yeah, because I, last summer I read Red uh, Dragon and then watched it. And I talked I about it on the podcast. I read it one time and, and I've forgotten it. Yeah. 
I really like that movie. I think Ray Fiennes oh, does yeah, an Ray awesome Fiennes. job as yeah. the as the um, the bad guy or whatever. Yeah, I think I would, and because it literally it, it it literally ends, and you could put in Silence of the Lambs and start it uh-huh. right away. Like that's how it yeah. ends. So it that's pretty cool too. So it's like they did that on purpose, right? Yeah, it's a yeah, well, exactly. So, so I thought that was <laughs> see. I never because that's what I looked up when I read the book Very Red Dragon. Good. I was like. Which one should I watch? And most people said watch Red Dragon. Manhunter doesn't do that good of a job, is what. But it's I, a good again, I haven't seen it. I, I don't. This is what I saw. I would assume Red Dragon is the, a better overall adaptation. Adaption, yeah. right? But yeah. Manhunter. I mean, it's Michael Mann. I haven't. So <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, it that one's shot yes. really, really well. I don't know who did cinematography on it, but it's it's like the the scene of like Philip Seymour Hoffman's character like it's set on fire in the wheelchair yeah. rolling down the parking garage is like oh my. God. God, what a yeah, I do shot. remember that. Yeah, he's in it too. That's yeah, right. I got upset because yep. I was yep. looking up whoever because I knew, I remembered that in the in Hannibal the show, Freddie Lowndes is a red haired woman, and I was like, I know that like Freddie Lowndes is normally a man, so who played her in the in Red Dragon? And I was like, oh shit, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman, my boy, my man, P S H. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, my my stepmom was watching the Hunger Games the other day and. And there was a scene with him on it, and I was like, "Oh, oh, look, look what they did to my boy!" Yeah, I still haven't watched the last one, the last two. In fact, I haven't watched the Mocking Jays because of that. <laughs> I didn't want to be sad yeah, for a mediocre CGI, film. CGI, man. Yeah, <laughs> right. Arguably the worst of those movies. Right. Uh, no, I mean, there's, there's, there's something I think also to be said uh, for. How, how much that is kind of like waned in the last little bit as far as like the like bring it back you know like I guess the most major thing I can think of is like The Expanse and that's been diminishing mm-hmm. yeah I remember you saying that uh. I've also heard the books kind of do that though from from Reddit people who've read both the books because I, yeah. I wanted to with the big announcement <laughs> the books kind of go downhill well, like, too <laughs> the big, the yeah. big uh, Reddit's a huge Expanse fan when it comes to like sci-fi so when it got announced for Amazon picking it up and I was ch- I've been checking in, being like, should I start watching it now that Amazon's going? And everyone's like, well, the books kind of like drop off too. So, you know, they're doing an yeah. okay job. Oh, another, <laughs> and it wouldn't obviously end up being another movie or anything like that. But hopefully, some kind of like video game or something come. But tomorrow they're doing a table reading for charity for Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, well, there's tomorrow at ten a.m. They were gonna. They're also doing a re-release of the movie for the ten-year anniversary. Right, and it's supposed to be do this it summer. In, like, or put it in theaters. Yeah. Right, yeah. So. I, and I know they, they've always talked about because the video game was super cool, but then something happened with like it's the rights. And they weren't, yeah, and Edgar Wright like and... tweets like everyone's like bring back the game, and he's like I don't have the rights, so he literally like tweets at right. Ubisoft and be like put it back out. <laughs> yeah, because I bought it, I had it on my uh-huh. 360, mm-hmm. but then it didn't transfer when I had it on my one Xbox One, and I've never been able to play it. And so I know Brian Lee O'Malley also he like. Uh, like tweets about it all the time too. He's like, <laughs> they, yeah, they don't have the rights. I want to that it. video game. I want something else. I put right? the yeah, sound- so. A couple months ago, I put I put the soundtrack on at work, and a couple of the gamers that work with me like turned around after like thirty seconds, like, "Are you listening to the Scott Pilgrim video game soundtrack?" I was like, "You bet your ass I am." <laughs> it's never. I drop you it in once, like, it. once every couple weeks to to see if someone picks it up. <laughs> All right, we're going to keep moving. We had to stall Spin a little bit. Wheel. Andy crashed, but he's Spin back now. Oh, look at that. <laughs> well, All right. It's, 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 I want the stream. Look at that. Extremely no, loud right. and incredibly close. I wanted people to think that Andy wasn't no. just sitting there the whole time. <laughs> not saying anything. <laughs> he didn't care. He didn't care about anything we were just talking about. 
<laughs> all right, Andy. All right, so talk okay. about a little boy with autism. No, that's what a not title. This movie. Yeah. What a title. What? Yeah. Um, huh. So this. <laughs> what are you the, talking uh, about, TJ? <laughs> yeah, TJ's talking about. What, what's that one called? Extremely loud and incredibly close. Oh, that one was so sad. How no, dare you bring uh, that up to me? a dumb bad movie. What I watched was something different. The the uh, Netflix movie about Ted Bundy starring oh, that's right. Zac, uh, Efron? Zac Efron called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, which is what the um what the judge said to Ted Bundy at the end of the trial about his Which, crimes. I, I guess well, it's cool, the, but what a title. I mean, that's such a long title. <laughs> it's a strange tile, it, title. It is an interesting piece of trivia because the judge said that basically while in the same breath saying, but I like you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn it, I like the cut of your jib. You could put up a proper defense for yourself. I wish that would have right. also been in the title, just right below. <laughs> but I like you. <laughs> yeah, the subhead. So this movie, I believe... A premiered at Sundance and is directed by Joe Berlinger, who uh, also directed the documentary that was on right. Netflix about Ted Bundy, the Ted Bundy mm. tapes, which I think is a better. If you want to know like the Ted Bundy story, go watch that documentary because it's a very yeah. well made. My wife would one hundred percent agree because she's all yeah. about that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a good. really good documentary. I think this movie is really good, but it's not the Ted Bundy story that everybody you know. When you watch a movie about a serial killer, you want the Ted Bundy story, you know. Yeah. You, you and it doesn't really. It kind of skips over all of the details about what he did because it's from the perspective of his longtime girlfriend who pretty much knew uh, nothing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And because he wasn't a real person. Yeah. <laughs> <was a> problem. <laughs> right. Um, and a lot of people, I felt like um, there was a lot of discussion when it came out that people were like, well, you shouldn't cast Zac Efron. He's a heartthrob. And like, we shouldn't be glorifying yeah, this man who was a real life. I'm murderer. sort of in that camp, but not for that reason. But isn't that what they did when it was happening? That I think that casting Zac Efron is actually really good because he is able to be creepy enough in the movie where you could believe like, oh yeah, this could, this guy could be killing people on the side. But he's got that charm and people, I mean, people obviously do love him a lot. That you could see kind of how something like that could happen. It's still an insane thing that really happened. Where right. he went where he went to jail, escaped, ran away, committed a bunch more murders, and then went on trial, and it was, like, a long time, and everybody was like, yeah, but maybe he didn't do it, even though there was, like, a lot of evidence and, like, blood on his hands that was like, no, he definitely did it, but everyone yeah, but was he, going... Yeah, he did High School Musical, so maybe he didn't, <laughs> right? Is that... Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, see, that that's that's the thing that, like, uh, like because when ever, anybody, even before, like, Zac Efron is ever casted, Ted Bundy is always described as, like, the handsome right. one. Mm-hmm. And it's just really? like, just because he doesn't look like the progeny of, like, an ogre and a white nationalist doesn't mean <laughs> right, he that doesn't he's pretty. Really, like, like, yeah. anyway. Because he doesn't look like he was actively nearly beaten to death by, like, a pogrom of angry Russians. Yeah, saying you're the best-looking serial handsome. killer isn't much of a compliment <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he's the best point guard and C team. Like, what the fuck? Who gives a shit? And like, a lot of people did feel that way about. It. A lot of people were like, "Oh, he's too, he's too cute." There's like, no way he did it. People, no I way. know a lot of people today who are like, "Oh yeah, he's a terrible guy." Kind of cute though. God. Oh my god! <laughs> Jesus Christ! All monsters have to look like monsters, or they're not. <laughs> 
but I think that's kind of what this movie is going for in that case of like and I think the biggest problem with the movie is I know who Ted Bundy is I know what Ted Bundy did and a lot of it is like a lot of the movie is like her discovering oh my god he really is a terrible man and it's like yes I know that yeah Yeah. we already know (laughs) and I think it would work better if it wasn't such like a high profile case that everybody knew the outcome of Uh, but uh, Lily Collins plays uh, the main character. I forget her name at the moment, but she was his mm-hmm. longtime girlfriend who she had a child and he like helped raise mm-hmm. for a little bit. Um, and that story is actually very, very interesting. But when people hear the Ted Bundy story, a lot of times they want the Ted Bundy story. And that's right. not exactly what this movie is. Um, John Malkovich plays the judge who says... Cool. That, like, <laughs> if someone's going to get having... that line reading, might as well be Malkovich. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. He's having a great time. He's wearing a bow tie. <laughs> it's great. It is so He's fun. fun. He is probably my favorite part of the movie. But uh, also the other part that was kind of publicized before it came out was... Uh, James Hetfield from Metallica plays the cop that pulls him over Fuck for the yeah. first time. What? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, because <laughs> Joe Berlinger is uh, did the document the Metallica documentary and directed oh. several of their videos. He did some kind of monster. Uh huh. I was gonna say that which one did I think I think he did some sure. kind of monster and uh, <laughs> James Thank Hetfield is one of the producers. And put in a lot of his own money into this, so like it, part Great. of the reason that it got made. Uh, but he doesn't have Amazing. a huge line, but he's like pretty nice. good. I'm like, yeah, Great. hell yeah. You know what? Fantastic. I love That's it. So good. And then there's a part later where a Metallica song actually plays, and it's just like, all right, hell yeah, <laughs> hell sure. yeah. That's awesome. That's fun. So that part was fun. I liked that. But I thought it was a pretty good movie. It's on Netflix. It wasn't, you know. It wasn't the best movie I've ever seen and probably not the best movie that could have been made about the Ted Bundy case, but I thought it was enjoyable and a pretty interesting take yeah. at the story. So I've heard I would that see, it. I feel like the order to watch it would be to watch that movie without knowing a whole lot and then watching the documentary. Yeah, it, probably. Watching it the other way when you know everything makes the movie less because mm-hmm. you know everything, right? So Yeah, it certainly made Robert the Bruce suck for me. <laughs> yeah. <I'll say> that. <laughs> And it, it doesn't show any of his murders, which is something that I really appreciated. In the, That's fine. Like in the movie Zodiac, that movie only shows murders from people who survived. Right. Yeah. And oh, so, yeah. And so it doesn't show any or try to interpret any of the murders that nobody was there for. Yeah. So. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, we we done spun the wheel, and it done landed on me again. I'm just getting so many so many kisses. This game has been. It's the crazy. It's like we have three things on the list that we each get to talk about. I just feel like I've been kissed for the third time. So I found uh, this this particular film because uh, uh, somebody was actually talking about like pike and shot warfare on Twitter because that's the Twitter sphere that I follow. <laughs> yep. uh, and so it's just a, like a like a distinct period in military history around like the late 16th century, early 17th century. And so this uh, is a film that stars Viggo Mortensen, and it to date is one of the highest budget period pieces um in uh, in film history and uh, uh and TJ, it does a lot 
What's it called? What's that? Uh, a la triste. <laughs> okay, sorry. I was I like, has he said it yet? Nobody else can see the <laughs> screen but right, me. There you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a la triste, and it, so it was actually a set of novels, um, and so it's about like this like Spanish mercenary swashbuckler Zorro looking some bitch, and, and it's uh, freaking Aragorn, so. <laughs> And it's freaking freaking Aragorn, and so I mean it was interesting. It's all in Spanish, and um, Viggo Mortensen um, uh, was familiar with uh, like uh, South American or like Latin American Spanish, uh, which is uh, obviously nominally different than Castilian Spanish, which is what's being portrayed in the film. Mm-hmm. And if you're not familiar with the uh, Castilian accent, uh, it means that you have a lisp on all of your s's, and it kind of drives me a little crazy. Uh, but <laughs> it's, uh, it, it was. and so it was uh, it was like it was a pretty film i liked a lot of the like the wardrobe was really cool and like some and like the depiction of pike shot warfare was like really really accurate and i thought that was interesting and then it's a really super boring movie that just kind of meanders and doesn't really have a lot of sense of purpose through the whole thing Mm. um unfortunately like it's uh, it's it's something that went really really far in the way of uh, creating an accurate depiction of like uh, like machismo and like where these these ideas of like like kind of peacocking and and you know like bravado and all these uh, you know element like dueling swordsmen and stuff like that it's like that's pretty sick and it kind of like evocative of the old like Errol Flynn movies and stuff like that yeah so like that part of that I I, I did enjoy. And like Viggo Mortensen is always a, a pleasure to watch. I, I think he's he's one of my favorite actors. And um, but does he hang down? Does not hang down, unfortunately. He doesn't, Mister Fantastic. He, yeah, I feel he like did. he's Thunder Gundam movie. He has Mister Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, he does. Yeah. Mister Fantastic. Yeah, okay. sure I haven't does. seen that. Thunder Guns it all away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a good movie regardless. <laughs> but I mean, that when you get to see his sword, I mean, it just adds to it. You guys don't right. remember that scene from the extended two towers cut where Aragorn's just <laughs> slanging it? Isn't isn't he also? <laughs> yes. um, please tell me which scene. In Eastern which scene is he doing that? At the end of Helm's Deep. There, yeah, because there's a whole oh, scene yeah. in the bathhouse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. No, at the end of the Helm's apparently. Deep battle. Yeah, one of the orcs like slices and he jumps back just for. And like, he the says, front "Meat of his back on the menu, boys." Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Raymond. It's time for the return of the king, bitch. <laughs> Holy shit. No, uh so it's uh it was it was it was okay. I mean, like it kinda gets back into that Robert the Bruce thing where it was just like it's competently put together, it's beautifully shot. You know, but it just is super boring and not especially compelling when anybody dies. And oops. yeah, I don't really give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, oops. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> and, yeah. And and that's the the pitfall of these these historical pieces. It's like you know, if a historian had their way and made a movie, it'd probably end up like this. Well, a lot of the time, where it's like the uh, you're 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 really 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 making sure that the spurs are like age appropriate. For, for like the contemporaneous like period that you're trying to depict uh-huh. and if that's where your focus is going and not toward the story you just end up getting a boring fucking movie whereas Braveheart p- 
plays real fast and loose and yada 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 is a lot of shit yeah, and a lot of people really like that movie because it's a genuinely good fucking movie not everything in like history is like immediately a movie you know like has the plot of a movie so that's where it's, or like if it, you want to be was, historically accurate like it may not come out as a movie something that you couldn't turn into like a 90 minute film or a three hour epic you know you've got exactly, to figure right. out and yeah. tell it correctly yeah uh-huh. It's really tough because you're either like casting a lot of aspersions or like really filling in a lot of gaps where you cannot for sure know that this is how the conversation went or this horse's historical detail went, but it's a necessary mm-hmm. plot element to make a compelling narrative. Mm-hmm. And that's where historical movies really are put into a tough spot. But yeah. again, I'll get deeper and deeper <laughs> into that on the deep dive. Get deeper with his hanging dog. Deeper, yeah, get deeper. <laughs> Hated that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited you had this. Ooh, it's I my last this one. Years ago, and I am like the only person who has ever oh, watched it. Oh, and I. I uh, talked to Andy about it. TJ, have I you heard of this movie? They came together. No one was interested. No. <laughs> <sighs> so I remember when this was on the shelf mm-hmm. when Andy and I worked at Walmart. They came um, together. It is. I never worked a, at Walmart. You, oh, Andy, Andy and I never worked at Walmart, but. Um, there was a time when I went to Walmart, and it was, I put it on the shelf for some reason. I don't know why. I opened I up a box, put it up there for some reason. I Walmart, and every two weeks, I put money in my bank account. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what happened. Uh, and, I, and I spent the time covering for you. That's what I yeah. did. Um, but this is a movie starring Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler in it. From the box art, and I taught her the box art, but the cover of it and the ads when I, I feel like I've seen a commercial for it it literally just looks Except. like it's a rom-com just a basic like rom-com but it is a, it's a parody spoof a of Wayne all rom-coms wet hot American <laughs> summer <laughs> right and that's totally yes. what it, it, An incredible it is film. balls to the wall insane stupid hilarious mm-hmm. crazy movie because <laughs> I, I literally just read the description because it was on HBO Max we were looking at things on HBO Max, Kenzie. I was like, it says spoof of rom-com, and she loves Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's her, like number one. Uh, her, her hall pass right. is Paul Rudd. Um, <laughs> so, so um, she was. I was like, let's watch it because it's probably and it is insane. It literally does every single rom-com thing like cliche, uh-huh. but to like the tenth degree. It is crazy. Then they have like so many famous people in it. Like so many comedians are in this movie. Like Jason Manzuka shows up. They have like just there's a lot of people from what yeah, Hot American it's Summer all the show same, up. Like, like it's it's Groundlings people. Amy Poehler is like part of the Groundlings. It's all Groundlings people. All, uh-huh. all that kind of stuff. Yep. Bill Hader shows up. He's in it. Um, my I would like just to tell you how like stupid but funny it is. There's a there's a kid you not five minute scene where Paul Rudd is sitting at the bar. And he's he goes, uh, oh man, I just had the worst day. And the guy's like, uh, oh yeah, you can say that again. He's like, oh man, I just had the worst day. And he's like, ah, oh, tell me about it. Oh yeah, I just had the worst day. Oh, you can say that again. Four? Kid yep. you not, five minutes. <laughs> and, it, and I am dying. I'm laughing harder and harder every single time because it is just, it is that, it's just it, that kind of humor the... through the whole thing. It's crazy. It's. Um, I think I might hate fuck this. Yeah, yeah it's, like, it's, I don't, I don't know. I can, if you go in with like just knowing that it's just going to be so dumb, but like slapstick, having funny moments in it, it's just, it's, the it's great. I, I, I was dying laughing through the whole thing. It's, it's insane. It's my favorite fucking joke in the whole yes. movie mm. where they're at a Halloween party. He where he poops, poops in his costume. And then spends like 
forever <laughs> blaming literally everyone else. And it's like a, it's like a, I think you should leave skit. <laughs> Where he's constantly like, they're all like, right, yeah. Where he's like, he's like okay. I couldn't have possibly done this. Who did he's literally this? sitting in her shower, like, robe and a cap because he took a shower and he's like, No, I just changed costumes. They're like, There's literally your costume in the bathroom filled with shit. He's like, Someone else must have come in and done that, like, in my costume. <laughs> I, it's an I insane it's movie, a, and it just kind of again it ending, has. I think for for how many like setups it has, but it kind I, of it has I like twelve endings. Love, yes, I love David Wayne's humor. Role models. It's just this, so funny that it literally does like every cliche of every famous like like rom com movie. It does like the When Harry Met Sally stuff. It does like it literally does all of that in the movie. But so it you, it has like th- three different plots happening at the same time because it's doing all of the story arcs of these different rom coms at the same time. And it's just it's a crazy movie. And I can't believe I did. I can't believe it wasn't marketed that way. I feel like it was marketed just to be a rom com. And I thought that's what it was until I read the description on HBO Max. And it's literally called They Came Together. Like, why did I not click? Have you that seen, was, probably not. Have not you seen a spoof of a movie? It's an early 2000s one no. uh-uh. from David Wayne yes. as well. And it's it's not particularly good. Jordan Peele is in it. There's some really funny jokes in it. But, like, oh, overall... It has the best It has yeah, the best the Paul Rudd Paul scene, Rudd scene where he's in the mirror trying to convince himself to, like, talk... Yeah, talk to I have Jennifer seen Anderson, that scene. I've is. seen that on Twitter, like, yeah. That is a masterpiece of filmmaking and is you don't need to actually watch the movie (laughs) although it does have funny skits but if you if people just look up the wanderlust paul rudd scene on youtube it is worth the watching yeah Yeah, i I highly recommend yeah exactly yeah so i highly recommend if you want to watch a stupid really funny in the vein of wet hot american summer movie on hbo max is they came together Check it out. It's hilarious. <laughs> there you go. That's my last thing that, to recommend. All right. All right, we got two left. One for Raymond, one, one for Andy. What's it going to be? Oh, here we oh, go. God. Oh, oh Lynn manuel Hamilton. Oh, no. Okay, that's it. That's all you get. We're yeah, moving on. That's my review. <laughs> that's your time. <laughs> We're allowed to copyright I'm recording this now. Right. right. I feel like we... I feel like we need to just so this isn't released. <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched and uh, I did talk about Hamilton before on the podcast. Uh, because you I saw, saw it, it in person. I did. So I why are you now talking about it in the Disney version? <laughs> because I oh, okay. think I have stuff to talk about about it. Oh, okay, good, good. You don't get oh, to sorry. question me for this I just, shit. I just now realized I was like, you did talk about this because you, you pieces should have seen it in person. So Yes, I have. <laughs> and that was kind of my uh, biggest thing when, uh, so they announced earlier this year that Disney had struck a deal with Lin-Manuel Miranda, that there was a recorded version. They recorded the entire performance a week before the original cast left. Um, and they recorded like two performances and then did several like pickup, Shots. pickup, uh, things on, on, on their days off. They did a couple parts of the show with no audience. Oh, okay. Um, and but they were doing that for the PBS documentary that they did alongside when Hamilton first came out. Uh, but they had recorded the entire show and it could be edited together to be the cast recording. But obviously they don't want to release that right away so it can run its full extent on Broadway. Yeah. Which right. which is 
it, it did successfully. It still sells out. You still can't get tickets in like nine months mm-hmm. in advance or something like that. Obviously, right now you can't go see it at all because Broadway's yeah. not running. But it was a week before the original cast left for that for that final run, and it was announced earlier this this year that Disney had struck a deal with them to release it in theaters in the fall of 2021. Right. And then once the coronavirus hit and everybody was looking for something good and something nice to happen, they <laughs> decided to uh, release it on Disney Plus on July 3rd. So kind of like a 4th of July sort of thing. The only the only good 4th of July thing to happen this year, in my opinion. So, <laughs> um, Great, yeah. Because when I first heard it and... I, I'm like, I know this is incredibly privileged, but I feel like it's something that should be experienced in the theater rather than on Disney+. Plus. It's <laughs> such an incredible like piece of work. And to, to experiencing something live in the theater is completely different than watching it on where what most people will watch this on their phone screen. And to an extent... Where it is supposed to be watched. Yeah. I still don't know. Yeah, that's where it should yeah. be watched. To an extent, I still sort of agree with that, but I also, after watching it, feel like this is the best filmed version of a stage production that I've ever seen, because uh, it just is able to capture a lot of the stuff that you wouldn't even be able to see in in theater. I think it's a interesting companion piece, and I'm glad mm-hmm. that it's out there in high definition for people to have, because it gives people an option to see it, which I do think it's... I think it's an essential piece of work, and a lot of people need to see it. Because yeah, I don't like I would right. not. I don't think I'd ever be able yeah. to see it. If, exactly. <laughs> and you get to see the original cast as well, because you didn't get to see the original cast, right? No, I I yeah. saw the London cast, which is completely right. different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it it is. I think it's a really valuable thing to have out there, and I think it's really interesting to go back and watch it and now it's there you can watch it as many times as you want and there are a lot of people that have listened to the the album over and over and over god i remember when it first came out and so many people were listening to that soundtrack and had not that's what still blows me away the amount of people that like know the whole soundtrack by heart but had not seen it yet here so i still have not heard exactly the same here i was like how what they've been memed but i don't know any of the songs Mm -hmm. yes and that's also what I'm worried about is that it's been memed so much that I feel like when I go to watch it, I'm going to be like, think this is dumb because it's so like memed and overdone at this point. I'm sure it's still a fantastic I thought show, that but... before I saw it and uh, I've read the takes from several people that are like, it is so hyped mm. and it lives up to it. Great. So um, I thought it was really good. If you, like, know, I don't know who would at this point, since the world is on pause at the moment, but if you are in the near, in the next year or so, no, you will be able to see it in a theater, which you very well may not. I would say, don't watch it, but if if you have an interest and want to watch a really, like, incredible piece of theater in a not completely ideal format... I think this is one of the best ways to, to Well, it's watch supposed it. to... I mean, next when Broadway is able to happen again, it's supposed to come to Spokane. And my parents mm-hmm. have season tickets, so my parents might get to see it if they ever have Broadway happen again. But, yeah. So there's... It is coming to Spokane. There's no way I would get a ticket. But. <laughs> right. Uh, but that's that's my Hamilton corner. Nice. I think it's... It's All right. great. And wrap us and out. Andy, wrap us out of Hamilton do to our last one. Go. <laughs> I will oh, no. 
Well, and, and quickly, I think to Andy's point, um, uh, I think the live theater experience amplifies the experience itself. Uh-huh. I don't think that right. it makes bad theater good. I think that it bad. just it, it makes the, the experience more. Because, but yeah, because, like, oh, the way I'm wired, I fucking hate musicals. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. And the main exception being, like, when I saw Fan for the Opera Live when I was six, oh, and yeah. I was like, this is the most metal goddamn thing <laughs> I've ever seen in my mm-hmm. fucking life. And yeah, so there's like the the whole live experience I think is is different, and probably why I will never consume it. A because like overhyped shit just it goes against my core as being an an asshole contrarian. <laughs> uh, uh, but then also it's just like I'm never gonna see this in person, and and it's like it's kind of like mm-hmm. the air where like the office is gone for me, where yeah. like someone will go like oh, have you seen this episode of The Office? And I'll go, no, I haven't seen any of these episodes. And they go like, oh, well, this whole thing happens, and then that, and then this guy says this, and I'll go like, oh, what a great shadow puppet version of a show <laughs> done by better people. <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, that's what's been done to me with Hamilton, I, with being being around children that'll go like, oh, have you heard this? A rip, rip, rap, a rip, rip, a rap, rap. And I'm like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> you know the soundtrack? <laughs> I, did, I, did I get it? Yeah, a couple of gunshots. Yeah. I think if you ever had the... <laughs> I think if you were ever like handed a free ticket to see it live in in a theater, I think you should do it because I think you would enjoy it. But I also oh, think sure. that any other situation, I totally agree with you. It just wouldn't Thank gel you. the same way. So yeah. Thank you. All right. All right. Raymond. We did it. Let's let's yeah. get into some Roman history. <laughs> we we did it. it. The last <laughs> thing. No, not Roman history, TJ. This is nothing about Roman history, TJ. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's called Hill Caesar. You're right. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a couple weeks ago, I watched the Coen Brothers comedy Hail Caesar from a handful of years ago. Um, it had just I really wanted to see it when it came out, and I just it just escaped me for whatever reason. Uh, finally, we uh-huh. had some time and like just a couple date nights to my, my myself with my girlfriend, and we we're like, oh, let, like let's not start a new thing yet before we had started Hannibal. It's like let's just pick you know something like I want a comedy to watch. And I turned through and I saw Hail Caesar. Like, I've been wanting to watch this for years. Let's put this on. And I loved it. I think I messaged you guys that I said, and I quote, it is extremely my shit. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) I think it falls under um, this this issue that the Coen brothers have where uh, a lot of the times their their comedies, the ones that, like, are considered masterpieces have, like, this, this really engaging plot and like the comedy is like works perfectly in tandem but then half the time their comedies have uh almost no plot line to them and they are just like a a thoroughfare for set pieces and it uh when it when it works it works and when it doesn't you hope that like the con like like burn after reading I love Burn After Reading as a comedy, but the plot is nothing. Fuck, I and love Burn After Reading. Hail Caesar is yeah. kind of that no. way, where I love the set pieces way more than yes. like the plot is not that interesting overall. Because I, I, I saw it when it came to Redbox, when it first came to Redbox, I, I rented it and watched it, and 
I the same. I can tell uh-huh. you like some of the cool set pieces that happened and some right. of the like the dancing sequences and like that kind of stuff. But I don't know anything about the plot. I don't remember anything that happened <laughs> plot wise well, in that movie. And it is it is really interesting how those plot uh-huh. elements are set up like set pieces unto themselves. Or like like I like the part with like Frances McDormand yes. and it is very mm-hmm. distinct. Like her in the editing room or whatever, where she's like tying herself up at all these different ribbons or whatever. It's like yeah. that would almost seemed like choreographed like <laughs> like a this, Channing Tatum this dance number is... where he's clicking his heels. Exactly. Yeah. This movie is a, a love dirty comedy to that era of film, <laughs> and it is so apparent that like they grew oh, up sure. with this love of it because it is, it is so lovingly done. Where like when they do a musical number with Channing Tatum, that's like a tap dancing sailor number. It is the entire fucking thing that they created. It's not like a thirty second bit. It is like an entire five minute sequence where it's a full song and dance with tap and chore- choreography, and Scarlett Johansson's bit where it's like a yeah. Like a musical, Corey Corey dancing thing, thing. and just like an entire piece, and it's for that I respect it, and like the stuff that they're parodying is really funny to me. As someone who, if if you love like movie history, you like you understand what they're doing and why, and I think that's really funny. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. I think that the Coen brothers, after like you know, they've had so many hits like Fargo and No Country for Old Men, they're kind of labeled right. as like these prestige filmmakers that are gonna that are gonna come out with something like award worthy, you know, Oscar buzz every time they come out with a movie. And I don't think they're concerned with that at all. I think they make very niche movies that they think mm-hmm. they will find interesting. And I think that's why even their movies that aren't like super hits, uh-huh. you can tell that they're interested and they have a passion in it. Yeah. Like the Lady Killers, I think, is a not a very good movie, but they. Oh, I love you, that movie. <laughs> I, I do too. I don't think it's a very good movie. I enjoy that movie, and most of it is because I can tell uh, how much they yeah, love it's, that. It's movie. something a few uh-huh. that you can feel so, watching the film that like they have a love for it. It's, this is kind of a half baked idea I had. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, like an opinion that I was thinking of today, so bear with me. But if you if you cut off Once Upon a Time in Hollywood right before Kurt Russell's narration starts. This is like his ver like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is his version of Hail Caesar. Like it's both them like just referencing stuff they grew Absolutely. up with okay. and they love. Yeah. And like not yeah. a whole lot happens. The plot's not mm-hmm. super right. involving. But it's like clearly just like uh-huh. them getting to and a ton of famous people like, in these it. Indian yeah. <laughs> darlings getting to recreate things that they grew up with that like they don't think anyone else really appreciates anymore. And so it's like I was thinking about that today and I was like Oh yeah, and like, and you get Scorsese's Hugo, which is a little bit more broad strokes, but it's the same principle, you know, just more right. more broad of like yeah. the whole film. But yeah, and it's, it was kind of funny today that uh, I well, started listening and, to and this it, season of um, You Must Remember This. That's all about the um, era of MGM Studios, which uh, Hail Caesar is very much based on. But it's like the nineteen, like the nineteen teens, mm-hmm. and the nineteen twenties and thirties. And they mention Eddie Mannix in it, who is Josh Brolin's character, and he really was like that guy that Josh Brolin is playing was mm-hmm. a real dude who was known as like he was a producer as well, but he is known for being like a fixer to like the mm-hmm. problem guy fixer. So uh-huh. they based the movie based on like a real man who worked at MGM. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and it's funny that it was made in the wake mm-hmm. of uh, Inside Lewin Davis. 
where like that ostensibly i guess would be maybe what you could call like the the mm-hmm. coen brothers like reach for an oscar i still haven't thing. seen it. like where and maybe that wasn't part of like the i haven't, the, it, I haven't either but it, i mean as far as like by reputation like that could be one where like maybe mm-hmm. they were thinking that they would get one for it and then they didn't and i forget what happened like what did get it or whatever but like kind of the like the, i guess i read into the subtext of like george mm-hmm. clooney the numpty who's just like getting you know swayed this way and that by people who just yes. talk fun, like talk nice like <laughs> like and so like really if like if there's like josh brolin's character is mm-hmm. not meant to be emblematic of the coen brothers i think it's more of those commie writers are supposed to be more emblematic of like <laughs> these are people that are actually high-minded and philosophical and would like to see some change in the intellectual landscape of american filmmaking and like the way that they have to do it is by like coercing these fucking morons into like like a like a reader's digest mm-hmm. like like sunday morning cartoon version of their philosophy that they can parrot in two phrases before Josh Brolin comes and slaps the shit out of him and goes, "You're making my fucking movie." It's and then, so funny. And then, that then, whole, then that's the reality. Whole so like sequence yeah. where they kidnap, they kidnap George Clooney. It's like they got once again they got like every Jewish guy they could get. That like they just have one of the guys from A Serious Man is in <laughs> it, and like David Crumholtz is in the background as like yeah. a part of just like shouting things, and someone else tells him to shut up. That's like everyone they could get one, yeah. and then two. They're like, they're like explaining to him how they got communist theory into movies. Like, yeah, you remember where like he overthrew the king? That was us. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so fun. And I also remember watching this with all, yeah. the guy who ends up Alden, being I, so Alden. I, I don't know how to say his last name, but and I remember watching it and be like. Hey, yeah. he actually might make it a good solo like, because he does a good after yeah yeah on yeah. steel and be like oh I could see Henry Cavill being Superman <laughs> oh, <laughs> and seeing it be squandered. God. Yeah. I forgot about it. I, I <laughs> forgot about it. Would that it twer? I mean, twer. it's just him staring right at Ray Fiennes. Would that it were? <laughs> I totally forgot about. It. I gotta watch this again now. <laughs> That's would a great. Would it twer? Would that it twer? You also reminded me. Uh, how much I fucking love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I just want to watch that whole four-hour <laughs> movie a, right now. There we go. <laughs> watch that one again. Just to be clear, nobody was beating the shit out first. <laughs> <laughs> we made it. Uh, we well, did that, it. yippee ki motherfuckers. Ooh. That was a roundup. Yeah. one hour 30. 60 minute. <laughs> No, we only went an hour thirty. That's not that bad. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. Pretty, I think that is the... We showed a lot of restraint. I think that we timer did. really kept us in check. Yeah. <laughs> if Andy wouldn't have yeah. crashed and burned, we would have done even better. <laughs> and we also did a great job of stalling. And the fact yeah. that you had not answered on that, I'm still kind of pissy about. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to make people know that we were we weren't extending our time for you that can one have just because. Naturally, Sandy. I wanted people to know we were doing a good job. No, I want people to know that we were doing great on our time, and it was all Andy's fault. If you hate no mind to the man behind the curtain, Sammy. If you have a legitimate like problem with something that we do logistically here on the podcast, there's a couple oh, ways you wait. can get in contact with us. One of them being our our Twitter our Twitter account, which is at NSAPod. I have gotten. Yep. Three and another emails. one, if you, I will be that clear about it. I've gotten three mails. One is from a friend of the, a friend of ours. The second one is from one of the host's wife, and the third uh-huh. is gonna be. I'm predicting TJ. 
anonymously <laughs> emailing us to boot Sammy from the show. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> and TJ, just for you, that email address is never seen any of this pod at gmail.com. There you go. <laughs> boot me. <laughs> Ooh. All right, folks. Hashtag cancel Sammy <laughs> 2K20 party. This, that wheel would not spin without me here. Mm. I could figure it out. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot, Andy. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Well, at least, at least my internet works, you fuck. No, I'm kidding. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we're going to go ahead and uh, call it a week for this episode. We did it. Uh, we'll be back next week, probably with... TJ's. Whose pick is it at this point? TJ, we're doing Braveheart. We've already mentioned doing, it, Andy. Were you Braveheart, there? Braveheart, baby. All we're right. doing Braveheart. We'll be back next week with an episode on Braveheart. But until then, this has been Never Seen Any of This. We'll be back Bye. next week. Bye! Bye! Bye.